0: All right, welcome to the Drive Able podcast. I'm Brad Williams and over there is Ali Akbarium. And today we're talking about light sensitivity with Tiffany Gruber, who has autism and something that i would never heard of before, Erlen Syndrome. What is it I hear you ask? Well, I'm not going to answer that question. We're going to leave that to Tiffany. So Ali, are you ready to get this episode underway?
1: Let's do it.
2: Welcome to the drive able podcast where each episode you get to listen to two of Australia's leading professionals in the area of driving and community mobility for people with disabilities in each episode they interview drivers carers and industry experts and share the insider's guide to driving with a disability here are your hosts
1: brad and ollie
0: Hi everyone, I'm really excited to get into today's interview but before we get started we just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible mobility engineering and Williams OT this show takes a lot of time and money to put together so we just want to say thank you to our sponsors for helping bring you this podcast and today we have Tiffany, Tiffany thanks very much for joining us, we will just start by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your disability.
2: Well, my name's Tiffany. Um, I've been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Uh, as a result, I've been diagnosed as high functional with Erlen syndrome and functional dis, uh, functional neurological disorder. All
0: right. So what we'll get you to do is unpack that one because that's it's a syndrome that I actually hadn't heard about before, before meeting you. So if you could unpack that for us and we'll try to learn as we go.
2: Okay, with the autism spectrum disorder, I was found to be hypersensitive to light, noise, smell, and touch. Um, Now through that, I had functional neurological disorder, which means anything that affects your heightened sensitivity your body goes into a reaction where um, it doesn't compute with the brain and the nervous system shuts down um, resulting for me, limb weakness and seizures.
0: Yeah. And you were driving early on in your, you know, when you're 16 and, and so on and so
2: forth. Is that right? Yes. I was driving and I got my motorbike license. And as a result, I had a couple of effects on the motorbike where when you go past trees, it creates that flickering light. And as a result, I actually had a seizure while on the bike. Luckily there was no incident to recall, but um, throughout all my teenage years traveling on the bus, I had that same effect and I thought it was just normal. and only to find out that later on in my life, it was a result of my ASD hypersensitivity to light. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: So is it just the one incident or did you have a few incidents? I mean, that's that must have been scary when you had a seizure on the bike.
2: Yeah. Look, there was quite a few incidents, uh, especially in the car as well. Um, there was a couple of moments where... I ended up on the other side of the road and I sort of like turned around and said, no, nah, something's wrong. Something's got to be done about it. I don't know how to go, to go about this. Um, and that's when I was referred to an OT, which referred me to the Royal Society for the Blind. Now, when someone says that, you think, oh, it's only for the blind people, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> it's not. It's so, for everyone.
0: So let's let's go into that a little, in a little bit more detail. Let's what first of all ha, what happened? Did, did you took yourself off the road? Did you, like did you just stop driving, or did you? What happened, and how did you get through that period?
2: Well, from that period, it was my GP and the OT that sort of like said, "No, your license is going to be taken off you until further investigation." Mm, how did that feel? How did that feel? Pretty constricting. You couldn't do anything unless you had assistance to go from point A to point B, especially when you live out in a rural area. You just, you lose your independence totally.
0: So, no Ubers, no no taxis available?
2: Where else do you live? Uh, Stockport.
1: Yeah, okay. Did you, just to quickly interject, was this something that developed over time um, or was it something that you were born with?
2: And it was something that was developed over time.
1: Okay.
2: Um, sometimes uh, diagnoses actually get better in time. Sometimes they deteriorate, and they've noticed mine actually deteriorates. So
1: mm.
2: the only way I could go about it is via assessments. Um, I had, when I approached the Royal Society for the Blind, going to a normal optical place. I had long vision, short, uh, long distance, short distance optical um, light tinted glasses. And there was another pair. So I had five different pairs of glasses. um, Yeah. Of glasses. And when I went to the Royal society for the blind, they discovered that I didn't need any of them. Um, some people are so hypersensitivity to the red and the blue, which that's what uh, red and green, to which they experience at an optical place. So um, they trialed me with different coloured lenses to see how I cope with um, colours and light and the reaction to driving type thing. We and these colours were red and orange. Now the red ones were for during the day, and outside purposes, and the orange ones were for nighttime and also uh, during supermarket hours. Like, so you walk into a supermarket or in a house with normal natural light. Um, over, I think it was three months of trialing these lights uh, uh, glasses. It was astonishing i had no migraines no headaches no issues whatsoever and it was like a miracle had come to you know settle my nerves um as a result from these trial um glasses that i had on i've got three different glasses here today to show you um one is the ending result. So if I put these on, you might not be able to see. These are the tinted frames that I get uh, for driving during the day and outside. And then of a the night time and when I go into a supermarket, they're an orange and they just they highlight all the light, but they take the sharpness out.
0: Mm, so for people that are maybe just tuning into the podcast only, Tiffany's showing this on our YouTube video. So sometimes uh, people go and watch us on YouTube, but just to explain it, if you're listening to this only, Tiffany's got some shades, they look like standard sunglasses uh, to start off with. And then she's taken off of the darker tint and underneath is a red, orange lens, more of an orange tint than a, than a red tint. Um, And they look, just like aviator shades and uh but what they they do tiffany is they allow you to be less sensitive to to those red colors is that correct
2: that's correct and the other thing i noticed because um when there's emergency vehicles around they you get the red and blue flashing lights Mm-hmm. Now, they um, illustrate a distinct strobe where uh, you can react and have a seizure like a crystal, um, a crystal disco ball. Um, and what happens, these orange shades actually turn any form of blue, it doesn't matter what type of blue it is, to a darker colour of a black colour or it turns it to a green colour. And I've noticed that if I've got an emergency vehicle, like last night was a brilliant night. Uh, I had a vehicle in front of me with their lights flashing all throughout the time I was behind them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I had no problem, no issue whatsoever. It turned the blue light to a green light so I was able to tolerate the lights.
1: Well wow. the the um for those people that aren't that I can't see it. I think that the um the lenses are pretty cool as well. They're kind of like this cool orangey. Um, they they're almost like kind of like a retro um yeah. Look. So um so I, I imagine I imagine kind of like some hipster walking on Venice Beach in California or something, that kind of look. So um so they they, they look really good as well. That's the good thing about it.
2: I, I've had a lot of comments that I should bring out the retro look again to yeah. suit the glasses.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's really cool.
2: So these are just one type and then I've got the surrounded glasses which are just the orange frame again but as you can see it loops around the actual forehead Mm
0: -hmm. and then
2: you've got the dark side on the other side to prevent light from coming in. So these
0: wraparound specs how, how are they different what what advantage do they have?
2: The wraparound specs actually prevent light from entering in from the sides. And if it does, it gets uh, tinted with the darker color on this side, so it doesn't affect you at all. Um, And these I mostly use virtually for night driving where I've got the assistance of the protection. If I've got emergency vehicles coming up from the left or right. Um, and the best thing about the orange tint while driving is that all the headlights that come towards you, most of the headlights are normally like a bright blue or, a, you know, a bright, sharp colour, not yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, it darkens all those colours to be an orangey-yellow colour. And I, I feel that you can actually be more aware of what's going on around you because everything's of similar colour and you know which direction or what direction everything is coming from.
1: Well, also, yeah. is, it, is it because your mind is not as busy kind of stressing out maybe so you can be more aware?
2: Yes, yes, um, it is. And the other thing, uh, the thing is with the Royal Society for the Blind, they work with Medicare as well. Um, so the extent, uh, extensive prices involved with the Royal society for the blind, um, and Medicare covers the majority of the costs. So the most you'll probably pay is probably $300 out of pocket for a set of glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're with NDIS, you've got no out of pocket expenses. So you've got the support there. Um, and for those that are looking to enter the workforce and you need safety glasses, they also supply, um, they also do, hang on, here, get it, they also do safety glasses.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Um, and working out during the day, it helps out hugely. Um, it just darkens everything, but you can still notice the difference in color like I work with grain barley wheat you know all those different types of things um and having I've got or two of these pairs on order and you can take you can take these ear things sections off and you've got bands that go around your helmet oh okay so they're utilisable uh for different areas and different sections
1: so very highly functional um, glasses. I mean, I just can't get over how awesome the uh, the orange lens looks, so. and especially with your uh, with your uh, jumper there, um, <laughs> the orange jumper. So it's it's uh, it, it makes it pop. I um I I wanted to ask a couple of questions because you were talking initially about um that I guess um you had you know, you have sensitivity in other senses, so it was not just the hearing, uh, not just the light, but seeing, so sort of like hearing and smell and so on. So, so is the, the light, are they still sort of um, affecting you or is it, or did kind of the light take over? If that makes sense. I, I don't know how to explain it. Um,
2: okay. Um. So, so you got your five senses, right? Yeah. Now without the glasses, all my sensories were so heightened and I was so stressed and my anxieties were exact extremely high. Now, Now that I've got, okay, I've dealt with sight, my sight has actually gone down. So that's only relieving four different uh, sensory modules. So it's relieved some of the pressure. Now, in saying that too, I've had my hearing done. I've had um, uh, earplugs put in for um, 20 decibels or less, which has helped dramatically. So that's another sensory module that's gone down.
1: Are Are they permanent earplugs? Sorry? Are they permanent earplugs?
2: No, these are ones I just put in every time. Not, like, if I go into a supermarket or if I've got kids around or yeah. anything yeah. like that, it reduces noise by 20 decibels.
0: Emergency sirens as they go past you? Does that, how does that go?
2: Yeah, um, virtually. I, I struggle with that still, mm-hmm. but I always, I always note that it's only going to be a short period of time. So if it's a short period of time, I can tolerate it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, whenever I knock down a module, a sensory thing, it relieves the pressure and I don't have to focus so much on the fact that all my five sensories are going to be reactivated straight away. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So I could imagine in the past you had the flashing lights of the emergency vehicle plus the sound. That would have been quite horrific for
1: you.
2: Yeah it was yeah uh, sorry is it is it mainly
1: sight and sound um like touch and smell did you say as well is that um,
2: um yeah <laughs> smell is a difficult one um because I, I know for a fact that anyone around me can't have citrus citrus is one of the main ingredients that causes me to have limb weakness and end up in seizures um certain perfumes um I'm still learning about the different smells. Um, Unfortunately, I can't learn them until it's a bit too late. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: So I think that's one of the major issues with me at this point in time, because I'm not willing to go out and risk the fact of going down and everyone calling an ambulance and then people touching me, that relieves off more seizures. And it's just a roll-on effect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well that's kind of what I was I was thinking. It's um I guess continual sensory management in a way. Um, you know, being a little bit more aware of it because they're they're so heightened. And and um yeah, just one thing I'm just interested to how it got there. Was it was there signs when you were younger that you had these sensitivities? And then um did they develop over time? Like if, if someone has got sensitivities when they're younger, is there things that perhaps um, management that they could do when they're earlier to stop it from getting worse? Because um, you were saying it got worse as you got older. Um, yeah. Is, it, th- is there anything you can do about that or is it just you, it is what it is?
2: The, the thing I probably suggest is that if you suspect anyone's got any form of sensitivity is to get a, a, a autism spectrum disorder um, ap- um, assessment done, uh, the sooner they can get that in place, they can identify the strengths. Um, Look, all my life I've said to myself that it's a hindrance, it's a pain in the backside, but everyone that I've spoken to and had assessments done, they said I should be wrapped in the disability I've got. It's like I've got superpowers, mm. super sensory. And the thing is knowing how to use that in an appropriate way.
0: You're learning how to use your superpower.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It well, sounds like Superman and Batman type of scenario, like X-ray vision, trying to learn how to use
1: it properly. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's really great actually to talk about it in that context, I guess. Um rather than, I guess, maybe a disability, um, more about a superpower and and, um, and managing that. Because as you said, if you're sensitive and have these sensitivities, it could actually also be, um, you know, give people safety and, and, and so on. You know, if you can smell something before somebody else and I'm a bit more sensitive to those things, if you're able to manage that, I think that could be really good.
0: Um, have you found a... Have you found a way to use it as a superpower?
2: Um, the site I have, the hearing, I'm still working on it because, uh, for example, if my mum's having a conversation in her house, because I live in a bungalow, if she's having a conversation on the phone, it's it's got me stumped, but I can hear both conversations going on the phone and her talking. Right. Um, and the trouble is learning when to zone out because it's none of your business or learning to listen in because you want to. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: And the problem is when you're in a supermarket, you've got all these conversations going, Mm. but if someone's talking to you directly, you can't communicate directly to them because your hearing is elsewhere, listening to all these different conversations. Um, And, that's the confusing part is knowing and learning how to work that out. I'm still working that one out. Mm. Um, But there's um, a hearing device where I can actually have in um, which amplifies the person's voice uh, like in a group conversation that I can directly hear them rather than hearing all the background noise around them. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I, I, I feel like you could, um, if you can master this, you could get a job as a spy for the government or something,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah, if only.
1: <laughs> that will
2: never happen.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. We, we yeah. have all kinds of people listening to this podcast. You, you might get lucky.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, no, and. and what, hearing,
1: you know, it's great.
0: And what about specifically for driving? Because this is a driving podcast. Yeah. How have you harnessed it? And like what's driving like now compared, what, compared to what it was, how is it now? And what advice would you give to somebody who is maybe finding driving to be stressful with senses? What, what tips could you give them? First of all, how is it like, what, what's, is it chalk and cheese? Is it, is it um, completely different?
2: Well, driving now, it's the fact that I've got to remember to bring my glasses. Mm. That's number one.
0: Is it a restricting um, on your licence?
2: No, there isn't. Um, my doctors haven't gotten around to doing that, let alone one doctor doesn't think it's necessary as long as I've got them on me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, once I've got them, because half of the time I do wear them outside, it's just like dragging them to the car anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, it's made driving much easier. There's uh, there's no flinching between flickering lights it, it's opened my world of driving. I don't have to necessarily have the anxiety not knowing when I'm going to have next blackout or seizure or anything like that. Um, it's it's like a walk in the park now.
1: Mm. Awesome. Um, the thing I was thinking about was when you were saying that um, you've got the five sensors firing and if you can put the glasses on, it kind of reduces that low. Yes. I mean, one thing to highlight is the car. The car is, um, you know, when I do some training around that, the car is often mistaken because um, uh, when I say mistaken, we get into the car and it looks all plush and nice and soft and, and, and it's quiet when we first turn it on. And then we get a bit of false sense of security. And then once you head out into the traffic, like you said, you've got noises, lights, smells, it's all, it's like a massive sensory experience. And if you're not prepared for it when you're sitting in the driveway, then it just it stumps you. And, and I guess it's great that, you know, with something like glasses, you can um, really bring down that mental load or that load on the stress in the body, you know, um, and it allows you not to get so highlighted because there is everything would be firing in a car. Yeah.
0: When, if- when, when I was uh, assisting somebody else uh, with autism, we pulled up next to a playground. And the playground was all primary colors, reds, blues, yellows, all really vibrant primary colors. And she said to me, I, can we park somewhere else? I can't have the playground out the front windscreen. I just can't concentrate on what you're saying. So we moved the car. And, and then all of a sudden, she was able to communicate and listen in because she wasn't being overwhelmed by these primary colors. Tiffany, do you have a, some advice for for someone who has those type of issues at all? Yeah,
2: stay away from those areas. <laughs> I, I've I've got an issue with um, office works. Um, as soon as I walk into office works, I'm gobsmacked, and I'm one of those people that once I see colours, I've And and I've got books that I haven't even written in. I've got to go buy each different colour with different books, no matter how bright, but they've got to be bright, no dark colours. But I find that after looking at them for some time, I've got to put them away because it's just too strenuous on the eyes. Hence why Mm. now I put these on. Mm. Um, And yeah, as a result, it, I, I say it's okay to be around parks with primary colours and everything, but I suggest you take it in small doses. So, you know, you can always say to yourself, okay, I'm in a car, the park's there for a long period of time, I can move whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just knowing where that boundary sits. Um okay. And would well, you so suggest
0: we- somebody to go and get an assessment with a not to be afraid or wh- how would you suggest about, do you think they should go and have an assessment for some tints or wh- how would they move forward in that area?
2: Okay. For anyone who suffers hypersensitivity to light, um, I suggest you get rid of seeing an, occupa- um, uh, an optical place um, that so, like a spec with,
0: savers or something yeah, like that? Like about.
2: Yeah, like spec or anything like that. Okay. Because they only deal with the basic vision. They don't deal with the extensive side of things. Now, at Blue Mare, the water, that Royal Society for the Blind just don't deal with blind people. They deal with people that suffers hypersensitivity to light. Now, the colour range that they've got is very extensive. The specialists are absolutely brilliant. Um, the process they put you through to identify certain things. Um, you're in a comfortable environment and they do the best that they can for you. Like They're in the city. And for me to pick up my glasses, it would take at least three hours, round trip, three, maybe four. And instead of them making me pick them up, they'll actually send them in the mail for me okay. and then ask for feedback. So it's, there's a lot of communication going on as well as your assessments and then they go, okay, well, what would you like? How would you do it? Um, and they even take you outside and trial the different colours combined to see if, you know, it's like a well factor or... Um, but. If you want a darker tint than the usual tint that you've got, because you feel that the little tint isn't doing anything, the are all for the mm-hmm. wines the best thing.
0: Yeah, well, well, time's up again. We always go over our uh, 20 minutes mm-hmm. that we put aside. We always get chatting way too long because we're, we <laughs> find this conversation fascinating. So uh, a massive thank you to you. But before we wind up, we always ask our guests the final question, and that's um, coming up in got, a second. I've but got one little thing I wanted more. to ask and okay. point out before All we right. do that.
1: Sorry, um, um, have you? We we interviewed somebody. Was it my drive school or my drive simulator? The simulator. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, my drive program? school. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever used any simulators before, Tiffany? Um, because I, I guess my mind was thinking one of the things with that um, interview that we did was they were um, saying how it, it might help with getting used to um, those environments. Not, it's not exactly a replication, it's a simulation, but kind of like a little, little step in terms of getting out onto the road. Like I said, there's all these different sensors and that, um, that particular simulator will have sound and, and sight as a minimum. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering if you've ever used one or what you think about something like that.
2: I've never really used one. And to be honest, I don't like the idea of it because it's only a simulator. I prefer the real thing that way I can actually experience it for what it is for when it is and what type of environment I'm in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: And for other people that are listening into this and they're, they're finding the conversation interesting about light sensitivity as well. There's also a previous podcast where we interviewed uh, Belinda, who has another um, eye sensitivity as well, and she wears red lenses when she drives. So you can always tune into that podcast episode as well to find out uh, her side of the story about wearing red tinted lenses uh, to help her with her driving. Um, before we wind up uh and ask our final question. We just want to uh, acknowledge our sponsors that make this show possible. A shout out again to mobility engineering and Williams OT. Tiffany, we've learned over this podcast that cars are more than just getting from A to B. Is there a memory or a thing that you've done in your car that stands out to you? Something special, something that nobody else knows about that not just getting from A to B?
2: Um. I'll, I'll say this to everyone and anyone. My car is my baby. Do not go near it. Do not touch it. You scratch it. God help you.
0: <laughs> you love well, your car, huh? Yeah. You need that independence.
2: Yeah. Um, my car's my prized possession and I like to look after it in top notch. Um, whether it needs new wheels or anything like that, it's got to be done. So, um, yeah, she's my baby. So those
0: glasses, <laughs> those tinted specs from being suspended from driving to where you are now, that must have a lot of meaning for you.
2: It does. It's also led to a lot of freedom. Um, You know, I I enjoyed my trip from South Australia to Victoria and, yeah, I had no issue, no problem whatsoever. Excellent.
0: All right. If our listeners have any further questions and want to get in contact with you, uh, can they do that? Can they get in contact through socials or anything else like that, or can we share a um, contact?
2: Yeah, they can get in contact with me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Tiffany Gruber. Yep,
0: we can put a link to that in the sh- uh, show notes if people would like to uh, check that out. Make sure you go and look at the Drive Able Fod- uh, Pod her Facebook podcast page uh, and check it out there um, and. Um, We just thank you, Tiffany, Uh, we really appreciate your time and energy today, and we hope that our listeners got something out of this. Um, And and if you did, if you're listening to this and you did like today, make sure that you leave us a comment and press the like and share button, uh, because it really does make a difference. And we just say thank you again and make sure that you stick around everybody because after this short little break, Ali and I will uh, give our top three takeaways from this interview.
2: Could I just say something one more? Um, Oh, yeah. For all those who who suffer um, light sensitive, especially, you're not alone. Yeah,
0: Yeah. excellent. That's a great way to, to sign off. And Tiffany, thanks again for your time today. Thanks very much, Tiffany.
2: Thank you.
1: all right welcome back in this section we bring you our expert analysis of top three takeaways from the interview this is where we provide our more than 30 years of joint experience in the industry helping people with disabilities to drive and get out in the community in a safe and meaningful way so brad we had a quick discussion about some lessons uh what's lesson number one
0: well don't be afraid to get an assessment um we've spoken through this podcast uh, a lot about how NDIS has helped bring assessments and um, technology to the forefront for people with disabilities. Um, and we know that well, she was saying that she, she encourages people to go and get an assessment for autism um, if you've got sensitivity to senses so um yes hearing your your light sensitivity maybe proprioception as well um, don't be afraid of going to have an assessment for something that may have a lot of stigma like the word autism but also you know the royal society for the blind now that might be just a south australian based uh company rsb uh the, you might need to go and look for your own Um, equivalent provider in in your state or territory. But don't be afraid of of those names that come with the assessments because it can really have a big difference in the outcomes of your life.
1: Yeah, I think um, even we've mentioned there's another company, Royal Rehab, for example. You know, the words like Royal, um, they're big words, I guess. Um, And traditionally pre-NDIS, um, which has only been around for about what 10 years now, Max. Mm-hmm. Um, is these you know, as we've talked many times in this podcast, it was a kind of a dark um, the uh, days for the disability industry and people that were disabled. And and you'd go to these facilities, like we, we've had many people talk about them things like the royal facilities and old school, kind of like dark and dungeon sounding facilities, and so we've kind of developed the culture of being fearful of these things like terms, like you know, yeah, Royal yeah. Blind society, rehabs and autism. And, yeah, and in South these-
0: Australia, in South Australia, we've got two companies, one's called Minda and the other one's called spastic society, um, yeah. which are old term old school names from back in the seventies and eighties. And where names like this have developed over time to produce stigmas attached to them. And, and they become throw around names to, to put people down, but, look behind them is a company that is doing great stuff yeah and
1: and so that's um and that that was what was mentioned there um tiffany had a fear of the royal blind society and to be honest when she mentioned the name uh, even myself i thought well that's a pretty big thing going to a royal blind. blind society." i'm not you know? blind What well, i don't yeah. need to
0: go see them i'm not blind yeah exactly
1: so so that's the thing like um, NDIS has really, really brought down the stigma around that. Get out there and if you've always been, if you've been afraid, get out there and check it out because it's completely different. Um, and it's, um, yeah, like even last week I had some interviews with some great companies on the coast doing some great things and just completely changing the whole space and the whole um, network. And, and I guess on that, um, as was mentioned, which will take us a segue into lesson number two, is that NDIS has modernised this whole space and how by by providing the funding and, and making it okay um, and easily accessible to to have these devices like, like we were briefly speaking offline with Tiffany, but just those three glasses we're talking that she mentioned, we're talking almost uh, close to ten thousand dollars, yeah, ten or twenty thousand of- dollars. She
0: said offline that those safety goggles that she uses for work, the actual safety ones, were $14,000 for one pair of glasses. Yeah. So, and our um, other so ones are around two grand each. So there, that's expensive equipment.
1: So pre-NDIS, how would we um, judge ourselves as a person? We'd go in there. We would have not great, you know, not ability to see or whatever it is that we need those devices. We couldn't afford it. So then we told ourselves, oh, we're just a second-class citizen, or something like that, because we can't afford it, we can't see as well, or have those sensitivities. Well, now we don't have to have that thought process. Just go get it. Um, you know, there's no need to feel like you're, uh, you know, like missing out or, or or even taking something for free. It's it's that's there to make it inclusive, and then make it so you can contribute to that society. So think- so there's plenty and plenty of devices out there.
0: I think almost every podcast we we talk about the NDIS and and we talk about you know there's a there's a lot of negative talk about the NDIS currently at the moment in regards to funding changes and and how it operates and so forth in its infancy stage. It, technically, it's still in its infancy stages. But imagine Tiffany's life without these glasses i don't know if i could afford fourteen thousand dollars for a pair of glasses even two thousand dollars for the the aviator type shades that she's got so therefore she might be off the road and not driving and not be able to drive to to melbourne where she did the podcast from from adelaide to melbourne um she might be able to do that and she might be more isolated at home not getting out and about and having to to stay off the road and it's made a massive difference, This the NDIS.
1: Yeah, and that, that kind of takes us to the third lesson, which um, kind of also timely off the back of our, some of our recent ATSA um, Expo episodes, mm. is that thanks to NDIS, this industry has completely exploded and there is devices and equipment for everything. So like, um, like Tiffany said, even something that you can stick into your ears and filter out the voices of everybody just by and just one person you can you know speak to. So like we said go there's there's something for everything and it's and every single year there's more coming out because why is that the case? Because there's a market for it and someone has the money to pay for it. So someone will create something for it. So it's not it's not right. about a negative thing, it's actually a really positive thing that hey NDIS has created a marketplace. So people are now going, hey, there's a marketplace. Someone can afford to buy a pair of 14000 old glasses. So let me go make one. The technology yeah. is there. So I can make it so you can go buy it. And that, um, yeah, and I, I highly recommend, as we said, going to these expos. And even if you, you know, even if you're from the industry. Um, we are um, doing a bit of a push to try and get people to even go over to overseas experts. Like there's one in Europe called RearCare and that's kind of like even more into the future. So, yeah. So yeah oh, that's huge. I mean, for
0: everything. O- overseas, they've got advanced technology that we haven't developed here in Australia. And I think what the NDIS has also done is now allowed us to import some things I mean you you know with mobility engineering Ali that that you've got the ability to import more things now because there is the option of it being funded through the NDIS so uh, it it certainly has opened up the technological world and pre-NDIS days I, I that when I first learned the hand controls were really really basic but post NDIS we've now got Technology, which means that you can drive further, you can drive longer, you can drive in more comfort um, compared to pre-NDIS days, where it was a, a mechanical push-pull or motorbike-style hand control, and, as an example. Yeah. The, yeah, the exactly. last little, the last little point that I want to bring out, and this is a, a three three point one uh, type of um, thing to reflect on, is. I just love the term that she used um, about controlling her superpowers. She's learning how to control her superpowers. And I think that's just a, a wonderful way to, to sign off on this podcast is that she recognizes that what's technically known as a disability, uh, but she's recognizing it as a superpower and she's learning how to control it and enhance her her superpowers. And that's, I just wanted to reflect on that before we signed off.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I always tell my kids, being different is good. Uh, means you're a bit different, and learn to learn to uh, learn to manage that, and then you're you're in power. So that's great. Yeah. So it's um it's good. So yeah, that's it, folks. And um, as we wind up this episode, we want to give another shout out to our sponsors, Mobility Engineering and Williams OT, for helping us bring you the interview with Tiffany today. Um, Williams OT Driver Driver Assessment and Rehab offers all the pieces of the puzzle to assist people with disabilities reach their driving and community mobility goals. Mobility Engineering is a team of passionate and dedicated people focused on bringing Australia's largest range of suitable transport solutions for all walks of life. And as we say in every episode, the advice provided in this podcast is general in nature. So if you have any queries about what you can do and what will work for you? Get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer and set yourself up with a trial. Trials really do put you in the driver's seat. And as I said, there's so much great stuff out there. So get out there and try it out.
0: Yeah, in this case, maybe it's a contact to something like the RSB, the Royal Society for the Blind for your trial. So thanks very much, Ali, and uh, can't wait for next episode. See you next time. See yeah. Thanks for listening to the Drive Able Podcast with Brad Williams and Aliak Barry. If you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability, or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes, or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at DriveAblePodcast for more information.